Well, if you haven't already, I wish you'd reach into the bulletin you received on the way in the door this morning and take out your study guide. I think you'll find it to be helpful. Because today we unveil and we release our focus for 2017. Our theme and our focus this year is set. And it's a building stone. It's something we've been building on since 2015's theme and 2015's focus. 2015, if you don't remember back that far, in 2015 we set our, our theme and our focus for the year as to be deeply embedded in God's Word. We wanted to make the Word of God priority in our lives. And throughout the course of the year, as we studied through those different elements of the Word of God, we began to see the benefits of making the Word of God priority in our lives. And we also saw the pitfalls of not making the Word of God priority in our lives. 2016, we didn't want to end that, obviously. We wanted to take what we had in 2015 and build upon it. So we kept our focus on prioritizing the Word of God in our lives. And then we moved into 2016 and said, okay, now for 2016, let's also make a priority of prayer and fasting in our lives. So we were seeking God in the Word of God. We were hearing from God as we were involved in the Word of God. And then we were communicating God to God through our prayers. And we were expressing the importance and significance of God in our lives as we fasted before Him on a regular basis. Well, this year, once again, we don't want to throw out what we've learned in the past, what we've grown through in the past. And so we want to take the old of 2015 and 2016 and we want to add it into now where we're going in 2017. And that is, I expect actually it to just be an outflowing of what God is doing anyway. Because as we involve ourselves in His Word more and more, as we engage in prayer and fasting more and more, then the natural thing that's going to occur is a love for others. 2017 will be our year where we find and develop and reveal a love for others. Now I say reveal a love for others because I really do believe that a true Christian has a love for others. If you don't find that in your heart, then you ought to question your salvation. You really ought to be concerned about that. The Word of God is full. You can read the book of 1 John and see over and over and over and over and over, and we can continually say that, that God shows us through the writings of the Apostle John that love is a prerequisite for a Christian. Love is something that is instilled in the life of a believer. So I don't believe that it's something that we necessarily have to initiate, that we necessarily have to come up with, but through our time in the Word of God, through our prayer and fasting, the work and the Spirit of God in our lives, then all of a sudden something is going to be produced in there that something is love. And the thing I see happening for us is that a lot of us have that love in our lives. But we don't necessarily know how to express it. We don't necessarily know how to reveal it to our families, reveal it to our church, reveal it to our community. We don't necessarily know how to show what's in our hearts. And so I've made it my mission this year, very intentionally. Am I planning to work through our staff, our pastors, and through you. If you have ideas, I'd love to hear them. And, and consistently, on a regular basis, present to you a new idea, a new way that even the most introverted among us can reveal the love of God that's in our heart for other people. 
And so I want you to be looking for that. I want you to be alert. I want you to be aware that this year we're going to focus on revealing a love for others like we've never done before. And I can't help but believe that as we engage in that type of behavior, as we engage in, in obedience and the pursuit of God's word and God's will for our lives, that God is going to respond in an incredible way through this group of people at Mile Straight. And we are going to see some incredible things happen this year like we've never seen before. So then how does this happen? If you will, look at our text verse. In fact, our text verses for today, you see at the top of your sheet, are also our memory verses for the week. They are also our theme verses for the year. So it's really important. If you've never taken time to memorize verses before, that you commit these verses to memory because these are going to make a huge impact on us this whole year. So if you would, sometime this week, just start reading through these verses and read them over and over and over until you can quote them, until they are put to memory. You can speak them without having to look at it. Here we find Paul writing to the church of Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and this is what he tells them, but please understand when he talks to this church in Ephesus, he's also talking to this church in Saudi Daisy. And here's what he says to us. He says, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. There are three things that I want to draw out of these verses. And I want you to see that, that how each one reveals something about the next. Okay, so we're going to begin with the thought of love. We're going to think about this concept of love and how God has called us to love others. And this year, that's our focus. And what we see when we engage in that type of behavior, number one, this type of, of love reveals a passion for God's glory. Number one, if you would write that in, this type of love reveals a passion for God's glory. Now, you may look at that and say, well, Tom, you know what? I do have that love, but I don't know that that's out of a passion for God's glory. I really don't know that that's what's driving this in me. I don't know that that's what's behind the scenes pushing this forward. Maybe you're saying that because you don't fully understand what it means to glorify God. Now, I'm not saying that in a belittling way, because honestly, my concept of what it meant to glorify God was a little bit skewed. Now, I did some research this week to find out exactly what that meant, to break it down to a more simplified means in which I could understand. And so I looked at it and I found a working definition and I've adjusted it a little bit so that it's, it belongs to us here. But I want to give it to you. I wish you'd write it in. You might want to write small because I'm going to give you a couple of other things under this point to add in as well if you would. But here's the definition for glorifying God. Glorifying God means that we acknowledge His greatness and we honor Him accordingly. We acknowledge the greatness of God and we honor Him accordingly. Now, when we engage in the behavior that we're talking about, showing a love for others, revealing the love that's in our heart that we have 
experience from Jesus Christ, when we begin this process of, of implementing it and pushing it forward in our families, our church, and our community, then two things happen that bring about the glory of God. And here's letter A. If you would write this in as well. Letter A, God is glorified through our obedience. God is glorified, greatly glorified through our obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. You love me, do what I say. Jesus said, people will see your good works and they will glorify your Father which is in heaven. So people look at what's happening in our lives and God is greatly glorified. What does it mean to glorify God? It means to acknowledge His greatness. Okay, So while people on the outside may be looking, may not believe in God, they are still glorifying God because they are acknowledging the greatness of God to us. In our lives, while it may not be true for them, they're seeing that there is something important about the Word of God to us. So important that we are going to obediently pursue and follow what God commands us to do. We are going to obediently do what God has instructed us to do. And as a result, God will be glorified because they see that and they see to this person, God is something really great. And so others will glorify God. But God is also glorified through our own obedience because what we're saying is, God, what you tell me to do is vitally important to me. So important that I'm going to do exactly what you command me to do. And on top of that, what I'm saying is, it's important to me to do what you say because you're important to me. And what am I expressing when I say that? The greatness of God. I am verbalizing through my actions, through my thoughts, through my deeds. I am verbalizing the greatness of Almighty God in my life. I am glorifying God through my obedience. And so God is glorified through my obedience. But then the second part of this, letter B, if you would write this in as well. God is not only glorified through my obedience, but He is also glorified through my imitation. Through my imitation. Now that sounds funny at first. But yet that's what Paul tells the church in Ephesus. He says, be imitators of God as beloved children. Be imitators. Now one time recently, and it hadn't been that long ago, that I, I really had a, a blunder and thankfully you guys didn't run me off for it. But I thought about this word imitate as not being the real thing. Okay, an imitation, uh, an imitation vanilla is not the real thing. An imitation sweetener is not the real thing in my opinion. And you, all you have to do is taste the two to understand that it's nothing like the real thing. It's imitation. And yet what God is showing us is not one who, who, who tries to act like something he's not. But rather he's showing us through this that God wants us to live out an experience that we have had. Now I know that sounds goofy at first, but please hear me out in this. God wants us to live out an experience that we have personally had. Now, what experience? To love. He tells us, verse 1 into the first part of verse 2, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. 
Okay, here is the divine nature of Almighty God, love. One of the divine characteristics of God is to love us. What an incredible blessing that is for us. And for those of us who have entered into the family of God through the sacrifice Jesus Christ made on the cross of Calvary, we have personally experienced that love. Now, I've got to be honest with you. If you haven't personally experienced that love, there's no real way you can live out that experience. You may have heard about the love. You may have heard about the benefits of God's love. You may, have, you may have read about it to some degree. And yet, until you have personally experienced it, there's no way you can really be a true imitator of that love. You can't live it out. There's no way. It's not possible. But for those of us who have experienced it personally, we know the joy that came as a result. We know that peace that passes understanding that filled our hearts. We know the satisfaction and the fulfillment in life that God brought when he entered into our lives and the presence of his Holy Spirit became part of our existence. We know the benefits of that love. And God says, now I want you to live that out. I want you to take what I have given to you. I want you to take what you have experienced personally. And I want you to share that. To reveal that love to people who desperately need the same things you did. Now the amazing thing that happens when I live out that love is that what I'm saying is God... What I have experienced from you, what I have gained in my relationship with you, what I have gained through forgiveness brought and bought by your son, Jesus Christ, is so overwhelming. It's so incredible that I want to live that out for others. I want them to have the same benefit that I had. I want them to experience the same joy and the same peace and the same satisfaction and the same fulfillment that I have personally experienced. I want them to know that. And what I'm saying is, God, I acknowledge your greatness. I acknowledge your greatness. And I honor you accordingly. And God is greatly glorified through my imitation of his love. But interestingly enough, the process doesn't stop here. Because now we come to the second thought. As we see, this love that God bestows upon us is something that reveals a passion for his glory. But interestingly enough, a passion for his glory reveals a passion for others. Number two, a passion for his glory reveals a passion for others. So this love that God has called us to, and as we make an effort in 2017, we see it happening, reveals a passion for God's glory. And this passion for God's glory reveals in our lives a passion for other people. Tells us in the first part of verse 2, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Now I think about on a very elementary level, because that's where my thoughts usually are on a very elementary level, 
And as I think about this love of Almighty God, I think about the infant qualities of God. I mean, He's everywhere. He has all power. He can do all things. And I think about the love of God. And then, in my mind, I'm a little bit confused at how exactly I can imitate such a remarkable love. I mean, how is it even possible for me to to mimic or imitate or reveal that love because it is so infinite, it is so much greater than the love I I can bring about, it is so much greater than anything I can even possibly imagine. How can I possibly imitate such a love? And yet God, looking at the condition of my finite mind, speaking in verse 2, says, okay, well, let me just show you. He says, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. Yes, you may be overwhelmed when you think of the infinite love of Almighty God, but God in his remarkable kindness placed his son in a manger. And he brought him up as a human, just like you and I are. And he said, now I want you to follow the example that my son sets in many different ways. I want you to follow this example. And now he's showing us, once again, the example of Jesus Christ. He's showing us that Jesus Christ even laid down the example of love for us to follow. Jesus came with such a compassion. The Bible says that he looked on them with compassion. His heart was filled with compassion because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. He said, I got to do something. Got to do something. And for us, the response must be the same. That we look on family members and community members and people we work with or in school with and we we see a tremendous need a felt need a felt need because we understand we've been there not that we're better than somehow have achieved a level that they can never get to absolutely not anybody who thinks that has got a fall coming but that we've been in that same hopeless condition That same place where we had no peace. I can remember lying awake at night, afraid to go to sleep. Afraid that I would die in my sleep and end up in hell. And yet when Jesus Christ entered my life, I also remember the incredible peace that overcame me in that process. I no longer worry about those things. And I know that there are people who are wondering, who are questioning, who are concerned, who have no joy, who have no satisfaction. They're looking to fill an emptiness in their life in everything possible, and yet they cannot find it. And we have the answer. The answer is Jesus Christ. And we must be willing, even as Jesus did, Give ourselves up for others. But now before you commit to such a thing, you need also to understand what this reveals. Number three, love 
This love that God's called us to reveals a passion for God's glory, which reveals a passion for others, which also reveals a passion for sacrificial living, number three. Passion for others reveals a passion for sacrificial living. He tells us in verse 2 again, walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Walk in love as Christ did. Jesus Christ came to this earth knowing that sacrifice was in the future. In fact, even as we talked last week, every aspect of his coming to this earth was sacrifice. Him coming to the earth was sacrificing heaven. He left heaven. Yes, it was for a short time, but he left heaven. He sacrificed his authority, his power. He emptied himself of the right to be God. And he placed himself as a helpless child in a manger. Later, he would place himself, God over everything, would place himself in the helpless condition of being crucified by people that he could easily snap his fingers and kill. And yet, he lived a sacrificial life and he died a sacrificial death because he had such a passion for others. Oh yes, it was obedience to the Father. He said, I'd not come to do my will, but the will of the one who sent me. But there was also this compassion in his heart for others. And it was this passion that led him to the cross. God now calls us to live a sacrificial life. A life of passion for others that leads us to sacrifice personally. You need to know if you choose to follow this, to pursue our theme and our focus for 2017, it can be costly. It can cost you your friends. You may have friends that don't want to hear it. You may have friends that will reject you, that will push you away because you take a stand for Jesus Christ, because you lovingly share Jesus Christ with them. You need to know that's a possibility. It may cost you a position, a job. Your, your bosses or your job may require you to do something that you cannot do as a Christian. And as a result, you have to back away, you have to walk away, you have to step down, whatever the case may be. It can be costly. It can cost you a position. It will cost you financially. Because as a child of God, we're obedient to the God in the matter of, of tithing and, and giving offerings. We're obedient to the matter of seeing someone in need. And as we have the ability to, we reach out to help that need. We know that being a true Christian means that we are going to experience a costly gift to God in some ways financially. We understand that. It may also cost you your life. There are Christians all over the world today who are suffering and dying for their faith in Jesus Christ. And while it's not necessarily happening right now in America, it can't be long. It honestly cannot be long. 
Because the church is no longer looked at in high regard. Church leaders and Christians are no longer looked at lovingly in the community. Most people look at us with disdain now. And I can't imagine that it will be too much longer before those who stand on the knowledge of Jesus Christ will also suffer for that faith, will suffer for that testimony. And so I'm not asking you to do something that, that you haven't thought about. In fact, the Bible was very clear that we are to count the cost before we pick up the cross to follow Jesus, we need to understand that it can be costly. And I'm not trying to lead you into something blindly. I want you to understand that living a life of passion for God's glory and a passion for others can very well mean that we will sacrifice personally in 2017. And so what I'm calling us to do is recognize that there is a real need. There's a real need for me to live out this love. There's a real need for you to live out this love because people in our church family need to see it. People in this church family need to see others who are courageously living out a love for others so that they then will also have the courage to do the same. And people in our community and around our world need desperately for us to live out this love so that they can, they can see the greatness of God lived out through our lives. So the Holy Spirit can use these actions to draw them to himself and bring people to repentance, bring people to salvation. Our world needs us to live a life of love. And so what I'm asking each of us to do this morning is to count the cost. Realize the need. And then either reject it or to submit to God to say, I will be one who shows and reveals a love for others in 2017.